episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Travis Louie. He joins me via Skype from his studio in New York. It's awesome to have him on. We actually didn't get even... I really wanted to just have like a technical conversation with him about the work that he makes, but um, we mostly talked about societal topics, as you'll see with this episode. We actually... No, no sponsors for this episode. It's kind of nice. Maybe we won't worry too much about all the money and all the, the shit. Uh, this is a little bit of a longer episode too, so I won't bore you guys with too much intro stuff. I'm thinking about, maybe I'll ask you a question and see if I get some answers via email or something. Um, there's a new website that's acting sort of like a patron of the arts. Um, I think it's called like Patreon or something to that uh, effect. Um, and it's sort of like a, like a monthly subscription. And I'm just curious if any of you guys would be interested interested in helping out the podcast in that way. So I don't know if it's like you do $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month or something. And it's basically done as a as a patron of the arts. But in return, uh, my thinking is like do a bunch of extra content, video content, uh, some specials to where the people who are uh, uh, patrons... They get like a certain amount of like like a drawing every year or like a painting or a print or something to that effect. So I'm thinking about that. Um, I'm just curious if any of you would be interested in supporting in that way. If so, shoot me an email, info at mikemaxwart.com. Uh, let me know what you think or just hit me up on the social medias uh, at Mike Maxwell Art everywhere on the, the Twitters, the Facebooks, Instagrams, etc. Follow the Live Free Podcast if you, uh, if you want to do that. On the Twitters and the Facebooks. So um, let's just jump right into this thing and give Mr. Travis Louie a call. He's going to be doing a... Um, actually, shit, I'll just go ahead and mention it. going to do a the five-year anniversary podcast group show, the second uh, podcast group show in November at the Daniel Rolnick Gallery uh, in Santa Monica. And coincidentally, Travis will also be doing his solo show and a show that he curated um at mary kurnowski uh the same month i'm not sure it'll it'll be funny it'll probably be on the same day um and hopefully he'll be able to get a piece into the podcast show in time as well um next week we have uh michael alvarez on the show rad artist um we had a fun conversation today so that'll go up next week and then i'm supposed to talk to uh don pendleton tomorrow we'll see if that uh occurs i try not to you count the chickens before they hatch or some type of shit like that um but that should be happening tomorrow so uh look for forward to that and um like i said let's just jump right into this thing give travis Louie a call all right all right mr travis Louie, what's up my friend what's up man how are you i'm all right it's uh it's good to see you i i guess we've never actually really I don't know if we've met in person. Maybe, maybe a comic con. Maybe we like shook hands at a comic con. But maybe, like, I don't think we've ever had any time to actually converse before. So first, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, shoot the shit with me and, and come sure, on the show man. and talk. I've um, always admired, uh, you know, just uh, just our little a little uh, uh, conversations on the internet. Yeah, I know it's so funny. It's like we've I've, there's so many people that we know now on some level. Uh, but we we don't really know them as a person, 
per se. You know, like it's like we know what they are as the internet person, but right. to get to the to the depth of somebody, it's like nobody really has time most of the time to really like find out about other people on any extensive level, right? Right, unless unless they got some stalker thing going on and like, man, I gotta find out now. Which you know? there's got to be those those types out there, I'm sure. I I wonder if there's that many like art stalkers. Have you ever experienced any of that? Like anybody getting a little too weird? Uh, I had one once. Yeah. Uh, but the but it wasn't so bad. It was just she just wanted to learn stuff, and she she had heard that I, uh, I I'm very very free with information, like how to paint things and stuff. Yeah. So she was just trying to get as much information out of me. Well, that's uh, we're going to try to do that here today too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess you know, it, it, coincidentally, the last time I was in New York, I actually took a flight back um, and happened to be seated next to your father-in-law. I believe, if I can, if I remember correctly, do you, that's do, that's what I hear. Uh... <laughs> and you know, we had a great conversation. You know, it's you know, people think about getting on a plane and have, like the awfulness of the person that's sitting next to you. You're just like, Oh Jesus. Like you're like, I think everybody gets on a plane and hopes for like the best. Like everyone's like, like airplane seat lottery. <laughs> Do you go it through is. that? It is, it is just like that. I just sit down and then you, you're trying to relax. It's been a long you know, week of just working. And then the guy sits next to you and he's like, Hey man, you, you like chicken? And I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? What? You know? That's horrifying. Yeah, I you know Uh, I think everybody uh, like probably every male wishes for like the one hot female, like just somebody who smells good. But then it's usually like not that. No, it's I I, you know I always I I I don't really get that. Usually I get either normal people or something really unusual happens. Like one time this uh, this lady came came by and she was she was enormous. I mean she was really big. And there was one seat left open, and I was like, oh, man, she's going to sit next to us, dude, because my friend was sitting across, you know. So sure enough, she gets right up to our, where our seats are, and, and then she goes, hey, you know, I, do you mind my dog? And I'm like, dog, what the fuck? You have a dog? Where's the dog? You know, and it's like uh, it's underneath her clothes. She has this dog. Holy shit. And I was like, not only is she enormous, but she had a dog with her. It was really weird. <laughs> it's bad, man. And, you know, like not not trying to shame anybody or anything, but – I mean, it, dude, it's got to be hard for somebody that that's like really obese to to travel. Like, how it's the fuck? Be. What do you do? Do you, are you forced to drive cross country if you have to? Like, well, I don't know. I mean, you, do, I, I, you've heard the story about Kevin Smith, right? Yeah, he they took him off a plane, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I was like, oh, that's messed up, you know. I mean, poor guy, you know. Uh, and there's. There's not even a way that he could – is there a way he could get, like, two seats? Is that, like, a thing? I don't know if they I even guess let so. you do that. But you would probably, you know, have to pay twice as much. I suppose. I mean, uh, when flights were cheaper, I remember I remember stories of – you know you know, Illustrator C.F. Payne? You ever hear of him? Uh, not offhand. The name – Well, back in the day, before FedEx was really prevalent, he used to fly his paintings in. Uh-huh. Nice. He'd, like, buy a plane ticket for his painting. Yeah. Put the painting on the plane – and fly that that fly that thing in, and also that was, that was his version of overnight. I dude, sometimes the the cost of shipping is almost equivalent to just getting on an airplane yourself. Sometimes it is. You just hope you don't lose your fucking luggage because that's where you, usually you put the paintings in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've done that, and you're like, oh, really? 
it's like it's like you're rolling the dice and you just hope it all works out, but then sometimes it doesn't. That's, that's how it. That's how it is with shipping artwork, even with UPS or or FedEx or whatever. It's still kind of like a gamble. It is, but don't you always ask, like the location you're shipping it to? You go, who's the who's the guy you like to use? Because you know, as it may be great on your end, but on their end, maybe they're it's like the driver. Maybe they have the, the one shitty driver, and it's ah. like happens to be over on their end. So you're like, oh, you know, I never use FedEx. But now I'm gonna have to because the UPS guy on that end is like an asshole. Like, I've never he's even the thought guy of that. that was on on like he's got caught throwing the uh, the television set, you know, in, in, <laughs> into the dumpster by you know over over somebody's uh, you know a fence. Like I, that's delivery, you know. I love and, all those videos that are on YouTube, like the trash guy who gets super yeah. pissed because <laughs> somebody packs the <laughs> trash can too tight. <laughs> I don't know what's so appealing about people losing their shit. Well. Because we, I think we all do, you know. But but we, but most most normal people keep it in, inside, you know. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of you know. I'm thinking it, but I'm not saying it. But I'm thinking it, yeah. right? You know. And I mean, I know a guy who always knows the worst possible to thing thing to say at any given moment, and he he never says it, but he'll he'll whisper it to me, <laughs> you know. Like like we'd be at a funeral and like somebody's mother dies, and he'll like lean over me and go, "Hey, Travis." I'm like, "What?" He's like. Your mother, and I'm like, oh shit, you know. It's like, well, why would you say that? You know, it's, it's obviously, you know, just one of those things. It's like a dare, almost, you know. Yeah, I, you know, like we, I have a group of friends that uh, will sometimes will say the things that are in our head that, uh, like, uh, just the other day. So, like, uh, we were all smoking weed in over at my buddy's house, right? <clears throat> and the thought, like, because we were using the torch to to burn hash, right? And right. I, the thought like crossed my head, like, okay, I kind of want to burn you with this right now. Like just a, a, like a split second thought that I would never act on, you know, like never, <laughs> but just to like freak each other out, we'll tell each other like, oh, I thought about burning you for a second. Just, <laughs> just so that we're like, always on edge. You're just like, you know, I just want to hear what, what that sounds like. And you're <laughs> screaming. What does that sound? I mean, I, I wouldn't know any other way, you know, I mean, I haven't. I, I wouldn't know any other way, so I think burning that that might be a thing. You know, I feel uh, like that's sort of part of the monkey brain that still exists, like the like testing the limits. Even though we, as like a human with sort of conscious thought, there's we figure out the sort of pros and cons of things without, of course, always having to test them out. We can kind of like uh, yeah. generalize what might or might not happen. But I think that little monkey brain, it, and it's like prevalent in young men as they grow up as, as kids you know like well i wonder what it's like to jump off the roof of the house for no apparent reason <laughs> isn't that isn't that though like um part of the the that, that thing that's in 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 humans is the this urge to reach beyond our limits or our our perceived limits right yeah. so that's why even though that that's you know it's it, it, yes, it could be as kooky as leaping off a roof, but then there's other things like you know, like what what made a person think that they could fly someday, to to, to build some apparatus that would bring them into the sky, right? Yeah. Um, it's 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 right there. Although burning somebody, I know that's, that's a <laughs> bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's, that might be a different angle. But yeah, even like looking at people, like looking like we're eventually going to get off this planet. I believe so. Yeah, it's gonna. Right. There will be a, an ex, a mass exodus when necessary. 
Yeah, whether it's a, a George Powell kind of thing where you got to take a fucking lottery, there's only so many ships. Yeah. Or or there's just like less of us because we just killed ourselves with pollution and stuff. So there's, there's less of us anyway. Yeah, I, I start like when I think about that idea, I start to think, well, if we're able to get our asses to some other planet that's already kind of just like desert and fucked, like why wouldn't we just be able to like take care of things here on the planet that isn't all desert and fucked you know <laughs> like why would we bail this one to go live on another planet that's like way worse in terms of like livability at the moment you know what i mean why wouldn't we just I, I improve you. well I, I still have i still have hope i really do i still have hope that uh somehow uh we'll figure it out you know uh the hope sort of dwindles away uh, <laughs> as, the, as the years come when you especially when you see like some young people that are just uh, when I say young, I mean people that are like in high school. You look at you look at high school kids, you know, and you can't believe that how short their attention spans are. And you're like, wow, this person's going to solve some shit later. I hope so. I I, I don't know. Are they going to be able to do it? Yeah. You know, it's the, always it's, looking for that shiny thing. You know, like oh, you know. <laughs> it's idiocracy, man. It's so Mike Judge fucking predicted it pretty well. What's going on now? I mean, you when you look at politics and you look at what what you know what what gets by what people are, are able to get get away with especially you know? what we're seeing with the like republican nominations that are taking place at the moment like the the spectacle of of what politics is and it's kind of funny somebody mentioned today i saw somebody wrote something about how donald trump is basically put like showing the charades that is the political uh show that happens on a stage for the masses, you know, like making it like it's so obvious, like it's almost like a shtick. Well, it is. I mean, uh, but you know, it's funny. You, you almost, some, you know, when I, when I look at it, I almost get the sense that he's like, a, a, he's their distraction so that, uh, wow, this guy is so off the fucking rails that, that it makes Jeb Bush look good or something, you know? You know who um, I think they're trying to put in is, um, uh, Perez. Yeah, you think? I, yeah, I think that that's the move. I think they they'll go Perez, and then I forget what the um the lady's name was. She was in the debates. I I forget her name too. They're gonna put two whack-a-moles up there, you know. But I think it's gonna. I don't. It depends. We don't even know what the Democrats are gonna do either. You know, like is it gonna be is Bernie Sanders is he's out there as like the lead candidate in terms of like social media right he is right now i think you know but you know but we're, we're not sure really i mean uh unfortunately all of this usually comes down to the money trail yeah you know who who's whose money is stronger you know and, and it's and usually the one with more money. zeros <laughs> yeah 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 i mean obama got elected basically because i mean they they fucked up so bad that you know that's somebody that most people have never even heard of came through and became the president i mean that's things have to be so bad you know for that to happen and that's what it uh, looks like now still like it's just a fucking like a shithole puppet show it is it is uh and and they keep parading this clown circus every time and we have to sit there and watch this and go oh okay what bobby jindal really you honestly think you have a chance and no 
it's still and that's the like the idiocracy of it the fact that's but that's so crazy because i like to blame technology for at least like the young people like kids who have grown up with iphones you know like, oh yeah i see the reason why their attention spans are so short i see why there's a need for instant gratification for a lot of them um but then we have like middle-aged people people who are in their 50s to mid 60s who eat this script up like it's like it's cake and ice cream do you know what I mean? Like whatever these politicians say, it's yeah. clear to anyone uh, 45, 50 or younger typically that they're being scripted to, that it's like a, a, a clear like it's a charade. You know, it's just a, well, it's it's um, it's a play. Well, I mean, like anyone else will tell you, it's it's fear and sensationalism. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you if you tell somebody enough times that something is awful, you know, uh for like a second, they start to believe, and then you keep going, and then they keep pushing it, and then they believe more. I mean, yeah. some of the things that they've said are absolutely ridiculous. That's know? um, that's but, but, yeah, that's something that's, that I fear about racism too. Somehow, it just kind of definitely, most definitely, that's that's uh, and, and not even so much in like the actual like hatred of racism, but the continuation, especially from like people on the left who continue tell specifically black people that they are underprivileged, they that they can't succeed, like inadvertently sort of keep it like while on one hand um, uh, exposing inequalities, exposing injustice. But on the flip side of that coin, you're also telling a large group of people, listen, you you have all these obstacles that you have to overcome. The chances of you actually overcoming them are such a small percentage. Like we don't really believe in you that much to to and it, and it's subconscious, you know, like it's not something that I think is like a, a direct hatred act. But I think sometimes people inadvertently hurt people by um, making them feel inferior by trying to expose their inferiority. You, you know, does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Um, I mean, they, they did that in television for years, uh-huh. in, uh, in, in motion pictures, you know. Um, but if you, if you tell somebody enough times that, hey, your chances are so bad, some people just give up. Yeah, exactly. They just don't even bother to try. They just give up, you know. And it's not, you know, and, and they're, they're, not, they're not much worse or better than anybody else. It just so happens that they just keep hearing this over and over again. And you sometimes know? that it's almost like you're digging, you're trying to dig them out of a hole, but meanwhile you're just digging a new hole for them to climb back into. And it's totally like, it's like, it's just a double-edged sword. Like if you, it is, I, it is, you know, and, and you know this, I mean, there, there's, there's, um, there's a thing about being successful at something. Either you're, really really good at a thing or you're really really good at marketing a thing <laughs> yeah. and that's it i mean that's pretty much that's how to be successful you know you, you know there are there are people that just have an ability let's say that that that, that many people don't have whether it's to uh, throw a, a ball at 98 miles an hour with late movement or <laughs> uh you know what i mean or, or be able to knock somebody out in 30 seconds yeah you know you know that those those are special abilities you know right you know like uh, but then there's then there's the rest of us, which wouldn't might not be able to do that. So we have to find a thing that that we could create a market for, and then somehow push that through. And that's and a, I survive. think 
that's an interesting point too like especially like in the art market like because i know that you there's plenty of artists who have a humongous amount of technical skill who are like way better painters than i could ever be but maybe they don't succeed because they aren't able to market themselves or like do the type of social promotion that's necessary to get their work seen by a large group of people and well there is that there and is on that, the flip side I, there's I also a- uh, there's also people who are terrible painters who are like very good at connecting with a large group of people on some other type of level to that right. makes people want to own works that maybe if there was no context to the person it would be like wow that's an awful piece of artwork like maybe just a generality you know what i mean well branding right branding is the thing i mean you know there's a i mean and it's funny because artists artists get jealous and they and they complain about other artists all the time i, I find it very funny it's like there's there was a there was a show in new york a few years ago and some really good people were there complaining about the artist and i was like dude you so you let me get this straight so you're worried about this guy's art who only who sells maybe maybe it's a few more thousand dollars than yours. But meanwhile, there's this other fucking guy, someplace else that's making fucking circles. In fact, he's not even painting the circles, and those things are going for millions of dollars. But you're worried about this fucking guy. Yeah. Never mind that guy. You know what I mean? Come on. It's so, a. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I wonder what that mentality is, because uh, you know, like, um, I, I, it's found in creative types. I think there's a um, there the Jeffrey Lewis song. Um, uh, the Will Oldham Williamsburg blues or whatever the fuck it is. He says mm-hmm. um, something to like, and if our friends become successful, we'll consider them our foes, you know, and to, <laughs> there's some realization to that. And I know I've experienced it myself, like somebody who maybe like came up behind me, uh, you know, in the general timeline and whose career surpassed mine through what whatever means they took and it's not so much i think i for me personally if i'm gonna like relate to this subject uh i think it's not so much that uh, i think artists get mad that other people got something but that they didn't get the thing as well especially when when the ego says you're equal to or greater than you know if you don't see yourself as lesser than somebody else well it's funny you mention that i i uh i see that in okay you ever see the movie Happy Gilmore? Yeah. Right? And there's that guy, Shooter McGavin, that character. Uh-huh. Right? And he's all like, it's Shooter's turn, you know? He's like, he's upset because Adam Sandler's going to pass him, and, you know, and he's so popular and shit. I see, I see that all the time. There's always people that, that have just been around, and they get bitter, you know? I was like, dude, you're lucky to just be around. This is a very tough business, man. It, it just is. Yeah. It's... So just count your fucking blessings, shut the fuck up, and get back to work. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. You know? And I do again. There's, I think, a big part of it becomes like the issue of social media and technology. Like I know that it can be miserable to wake up in the morning and scroll through my Instagram and see like ten artists doing like great, awesome projects in some awesome city, like like arms around ten girls and drinks and popping <laughs> bottles and shit. And it looks like some different type of life, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm here at the grind. I'm I'm standing panels today and gessoing in the like 90 degree weather, you know. And oh, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And we're you all know, doing was, that. You know, it, you know, it's it's about perception, right? Yeah. That's what this is. It's perception. And if you if you, I mean, okay, 
and I, I hate to I, I, I hate to be like say bad things about people, but like <laughs> no one is ever gonna confuse like Dane Cook with like, you know, George Carlin. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a you know, he's a popular guy, he'll have a show, there's crowds of people there. I don't know what they're laughing at because I don't think it's that funny. But yet, yet he's you know, he's a pretty popular guy. Um he's he's actually a pretty good actor. He's a better actor than he is a stand up comic, but you know, it's just one of those things. Some people can connect and some people just don't for whatever reason. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what it is that he has that some of these other comics, you know, don't have. I you think know? that's a very good point and it boils back to fine art and visual arts as well. Like there's some things that just connect with audiences and just some things that don't. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think that does build some bitterness, right? Uh. It does, especially if they start stealing your material. I think there was was there was a time. I think was wasn't he? Um, didn't somebody accuse him of stealing material? Uh, Louis C.K. Jesus, I, Louis C.K. Yeah. Oh my God! But I, I would never. Can you imagine stealing material from a guy like that? That's you, ridiculous. You know what's going on right now? Do you have you heard of this um, guy named Fat Jew? From no, no, I haven't. I th- believe he's from New York. Uh, he's done work with Vice. Um, he has been regularly stealing uh, stand-up comics tweets and, like, Instagram posts. Huh? So he basically, from what I've, from what I've ascertained from the situation, he, he's the type who gets paid for certain tweets, right? Like, he gets, like, certain tweets and posts that he does have, he gets a, a monetary value from whoever it is that's paying him. I don't know how it works. It's just that, That's really weird. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like, Hollywood, right. you know, entertainment, the whole deal. But, so, it turns out, uh, all the stand-up comedians have finally been like, fuck this guy, because he just picked up, uh, like, a major representation from CCA in Hollywood. No and, kidding. And so they're going through and, like, basically shaming him and showing all the tweets that he just copied and pasted from comedians, like, from wow. a year before and all this shit that he's doing. And it's the same thing. And, you know, we we see this in art. It seems a little bit more prevalent in comedy for some reason, like, it, because it's maybe because it's so specific, like saying something specific as opposed to, like, a visual language, maybe. Well, it's funny because these guys don't realize that it's all out there. Like why? Why would you? Th- why would anyone, you know, who who's familiar with social media or or media in general, why? How would they not realize that somebody will connect the fucking dots? Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and you know? you know what I think it is? I think it's like a um like Urban Outfitters type of scenario, right? So oh right, there's designers who are just on payroll who are just you know probably forced into coming up with a hundred graphics per day. Same with a comedy writer. So like this guy probably has a a team of people writing stuff that are gonna that's gonna go, you know, to the social media sites that he gets paid for. And if he's not checking all the fact checks that like probably these writers are doing, mm-hmm. uh there's a good chance that they could be snatching shit up from wherever they find it on the internet. Passing it kind of are right. I mean, didn't, didn't I would assume? Get, you know, I mean, I, I see that there's a website right now. Uh, I think it's called "And You Thought We Weren't Looking" or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, you know I've that seen, one. Yeah, uh huh. And I've seen people take stuff from other artists all the time on there. That are, some people that actually know. I'm like, wow, man, they stole your stuff just like that. Yeah, and they just maybe they flipped it, you know, and thought maybe that's enough. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy. 
I understand yeah. when it's like somebody young. You know what I mean? Like maybe somebody who's like just like in high school or just out of high school who just made something like who is just immature. You know, like I could see an immaturity like doing some of that shit. But once when you're... an older person does it, you kind of it kind of uh, you, your eyes kind of go, wow, really? Yeah. Did you really just do that? There's a guy. I can't I can't I can't pronounce his last name because sometimes I get tired. Oh, uh, <laughs> Arthur Sudum. You know, Arthur, you ever hear of him? Uh, no. For years, he worked at we worked for different comic book companies. He was pretty good. I thought, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, this guy's great. But then recently somebody outed him. Like uh, they showed something that he had done, and it was it was a it was a swipe from somebody else. Yeah. And when you're when you're as old as this guy, you really shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You know? I mean, that guy's got to be he's got to be sixty now. Well, may- maybe this is a good segue then. Um, I feel like you and I both have a fascination with a very specific time period in American history. Um, I've been fascinated by the Civil War uh since like just out of high school like once I, like i got interested in history once i no longer had to study it as and like take tests you know <laughs> it somehow became important all of a sudden um and i think you and i both use a lot of imagery from that time period do you have any sort of specific fascination with that era in general like the turn of the century mid 1800s I, I mean it was the beginning of modern photography and why i segued was that um, I've basically like made my career off Matthew Brady photos. So it's like <laughs> if he hadn't have done all those photos and made all that reference material, uh, yeah. I might not be doing what I'm doing. Um, and I feel like we're sort of on a similar pathway. I'm curious what your, your fascination with that time period is. Well, it's uh, for me, it's about the, uh, the age of, um, immigration into the u.s i'm fascinated by it because my my ancestors when they came here you know uh well my my great my 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 grandmother's grandfather came here in the uh in the 1850s because some idiot told him that there was a mountain of gold in northern california almost uh, kind of (laughs) well not for him uh where did he come from he, uh, he came from china and uh i guess something happened and and he actually went he went back to china but a bunch of his friends stayed here, and, and a few of them uh, didn't do so well over here. You know, it was a tough time. Yeah. But yeah. but there were lots of immigrant groups from all over Europe too that came over here. You know, for different reasons. I mean, you have like those the, the two different potato famines. You know. Yeah. And uh, so I'm always fascinated by that. And and my 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 paintings are mostly about that kind of uh, immigration. That kind of uh, the adventures of, of, of the stranger in the strange land, pretty much. But instead of using actual people with, you know, real races, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't paint Irish people or German people. I paint these myth- mythological uh, people uh-huh. so that it, it's more universal, you know? Right. And, and so, that's, so that's my commentary on, on the, uh, the immigrant experience in North America in the, in the 19th century. Okay, so then, so those creatures are sort of a representation of that uh, uncomfortableness, I guess, of, of moving to a new place. That sort of, I get you use the word alien, uh, and I, I would imagine, I I feel like it's it's alien almost moving from one city to another city within your own city. You know what I mean? Like one county it to is, the next. It is. It is. But slowly, and this is so funny. I've talked to a bunch of people about this. Our our country is is losing its regionalism. You know what I mean? In what way? Uh, like 
Like, you know, you, you could go to any mall in any part of the country and find the same stores and shit like that. Yeah. You know, uh, it used to be, you know, you'd go to Los Angeles and it's really, really different from New York. I mean, really different. Yeah. Now, it's like I can go to L.A. now and yeah, I can find Target. You know what I mean? I could, you know, I could find the same stores. And, and even the people that have moved out there, a bunch of them, they're from New York, you know, and I, I hear the accent and I go, oh, that's, I guess, I guess, you know, you got to gotta find, go where the work is, right? So, you know, I get it, you know? Yeah, it's a shame. But years ago, it wasn't like that. Like, you go to a, a, a location... And it's very specific, the things, the customs, the people, the, the mannerisms, everything is very specific in those areas. So, that, so it's, like, it's like going to an alien world, just like you say. Yeah. You know? And I think what it takes, it's almost like once we've I've, – I've thought about this idea a lot. Like, so I was born and raised in California, right? So mm-hmm. my, my question to myself, at what point – like how long do I have to be in one area before my um, – evolutionary uh uh indicators of my location of birth start to show do you know what i mean like how long does it take before the environment has effect on how i look (laughs) and you know i I don't know it's just a random question that i have but i think part of part of what happens and i feel pretty blessed like i live in a community that is um mostly vietnamese some Thai and um, a lot of uh, Indians from India. And um, I'm lucky enough to have grocery stores, specific type restaurants that are open to um, suit a particular culture or grouping of people who has specific like food needs or clothing How needs. How cool is that? It's amazing. That's really cool. It's it's great. And like yesterday I bought like I've been cooking a lot. So like I've been experimenting with all sorts of different vegetables and and herbs and and plants and different things that I would never use or even parts of animals that I would never use because my like Vaughn's Albertsons like food for less culture is mm-hmm. not that thing. You know, like I've been thinking a lot right. about um like really utilizing everything to its fullest extent instead of like the wasteful culture that we've kind of uh, just been grown into, I guess, you know, just like this throwaway culture, you know, that started in the fifties or whatever. So I think maybe there's going to be some turnaround here. Like maybe we'll, we'll see uh, bounce back into more locally owned business, uh, but it is getting harder and harder as as the economics sort of shifts to all corporate power, you know, in terms of like who who's creating jobs or where jobs are available. I think we need more creativity to to create a better uh, community and entrepreneurism. Maybe I can see that. I can see that. But I these mean, damn kids. A... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tricky thing because you know uh, everyone was stressing the idea of making the most money you can for the least amount of effort. And then with that idea in mind, a lot of the most creative minds in this country, instead of going into science, they went into banking, Yeah. you know? So then you, you know, you have these problems like with, with, you know, when the banks failed in uh, 2008, you know, that, that was all based on these weird, you know, uh, financial products that people were selling, you know, uh, you know, all these different kinds of loans and there's there's all this language that that the average person doesn't understand, so they just bought into it, and they would you know would take the loan, and then they would get a surprise, and they would lose everything. And then they were they were creating 
They were creating perceived value on things that didn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you're selling. Okay, so you're selling the uh, <laughs> the foreclosure of this house. On, I mean, it's like what? Yeah. So you're not only selling the the value of that, but the value of the of the, of the money that this guy's not even going to pay back. Yeah. How do you how do you do something with that? And because because a bunch of people just totally couldn't pay, the whole thing collapsed. Yeah. And, we're, and uh, I we're, feel, does it feel like we're doing that again? Like I remember at the begin, like in two thousand, like two thousand seven, Greece took a shit, right? Like right before our collapse, Greece took a shit, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happening right now. Um, I, it feels like it was right before, so two thousand eight, yeah, it was before an election cycle. Uh, gas prices were four dollars plus on the West Coast, and I assume probably be pretty close on the East Coast too, maybe. It was it was pretty crazy. I, I was very surprised. It didn't make sense because it literally overnight, and there were two things that they they blamed it on. They blamed it on some fucking storm or some shit that came in. <laughs> yeah. And next, and they said, "Oh, these things are down in, in Mexico." Because I, I you know I stopped at a local Stewart's to get gas, and in, instead of being two dollars, which is what it was at the time, it suddenly was like four dollars and twenty cents. I was like, "What? Twenty a gallon?" You know. But but that's that's what happened. But then the prices never went down. Yeah. And then but now of course they have gone down, you know, a little. But it's not down to what it was. No, it's just those yeah. weird little fluctuations, just slowly creeping up. Little fluctuations, slowly creeping up. And and yeah, and it's funny, you know, uh, like people in Europe would would tell us things like, "We've been paying this much for gas the whole time." Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but some of that some of that is tied into taxes that pay for things, you know, like health insurance. You know, like they have, you know, they have national health insurance. You know. Uh, we don't have that here. So when we pay less for gas, we kind of go, well, all right. Well, you know, we pay less for gas, but we don't, we have, we don't have health insurance. So we got to pay, pay that out of pocket or whatever. That's but now something... that it's, you know. Go ahead. Sorry. So now that it's added up, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay. Do you have health insurance yourself? I do not have health insurance. I yeah, haven't had scary, health huh? insurance since I was like 16. I remember... I used to pay pay out of pocket for health insurance, uh, and this is back in 1990, 1992, I'll say, and it was $180 a month for a single person in the, in the state of New York, you know? Yeah. Now it's, roughly, it's about $650 a month, or $750 a month for one person, and who the hell has that? Who has that? I, not me. <laughs> you know? And then if you have a family, you're looking at $1,200. Yeah, that's so twelve hundred dollars a month. What's the math on that? What is that? That's that's like fourteen thousand dollars a year. Who that, has that? You know th- what I mean? That's a lot of people's like yearly income. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and exactly. especially if everybody is forced into working at fucking Walmart and Target. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some people they just they get the luck of the draw, and they and things work out. And there, there is that, and you can't. You know, you, it's hard not to be upset by that. But I mean, you know, there's people that just just had the right job or whatever you know they're they're in politics they're you know they're they're in government you know they're they're you know if you if you have a, if you're in like the senate or something or a congressman your health insurance is pretty good it's pretty good you <laughs> yeah. know it's it's like yeah. the best insurance ever what's well, funny you hear people like i hear like a lot of i i love to argue with anybody about politics really and you hear a lot of people on the the right talk very anti-socialist as if i, I somebody said something about bernie sanders saying like 
you should beware of anything, anyone giving you something for free, which I mean, I guess there's some validity to that, but, but the mistake that is clearly being made is that if your taxes that you're being charged, that you're being taxed on anyway, let's say that went into healthcare for the entire country, as opposed to like the bloated military budget, you're still, that money is still being removed from your paycheck every week. But the fact is that it goes to something much more beneficial to the overall society than it does uh, just a few people or uh, a military industrial complex or whatever. Well, that's very true. I mean, it's it's a misconception. And uh, obviously, you know, when when they say socialism, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to uh, connect the dots. When, when, <laughs> whenever someone says, oh, that's socialism, they're trying to connect the dots to communism. Yeah, right. That's the first step. That's what they're doing. You know, if they say they say it a bunch of times and they go, "Oh, it's bad." Um, you know, it's, I mean, you you have you have firemen in your town. Is it is it uh, is it is it you know is that is that paid for or is that you know how how is that covered? Is that is that like volunteer firemen or do you have actually like a fire department like in the city of New York? Yeah, and you even know? like to take that idea further, like I even think about it constantly about like okay, so let's say if we were all like super independent, let's say it is anarchism or in in terms of like self preservation amongst a society amongst a particular city, like let's say there is a pothole out on your street or. Is the random person going to take the time to go put some cones out, block off the road, pave it, you know, get the machinery necessary to do all that? And You would. You're the guy. You would do it. I know you. Maybe. <laughs> maybe if I got free health care, I would consider it. Yeah. I could see you out there stirring the asphalt, you know, like, oh, I got I to gotta put this down I and mean, then make some paintings. I mean, I would I – would, Definitely. Well, in in that environment, maybe I don't know. But that's yeah. I try to think about that. Like, who who is like if we decided like who is really up for being responsible? Like all these people claim like oh you know like I don't need a government telling me to do this or a government to do that or and you know like I'm one of those types of people a lot of times you know. But how willing am I to go uh, deal with the trash or the sewage like? Maybe I'm not really I'm one I'm definitely not capable <laughs> first like knowledge wise. Well it's it's all relative obviously it's all relative to what the thing is that the government is handling. You know there are some things that you want them to handle like for instance if we if we get invaded by a foreign country you kind of want the government to do something. You don't <laughs> want them to be like eh it's up to you. It's like what? I but I have a flashlight that's all I got. You know it's like, that's not helpful, you know. So you want that there, there to be an army. You want there to be some kind of military, you know, or if there's if there's a national, you know, if there's like some horrible disaster, like an earthquake or a hurricane or some shit comes in, you want you want you know want to know that there's some government relief aid that's possible that'll right. come in and help, you know, uh, like FEMA if it works, you know, but you can't you know you can't you can't be all like well. It's all bad. All socialism is bad. It's like, well, no. You are, some of these things are government things. I mean, you, without without it, you don't. You know, what 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 are cops? What yeah. do, do I pay the cops? Or I like, you know, no. They they they're paid by the taxes in my town. Covers the cost of the policeman, right? Yeah. Same thing. I, Nothing's for free, man. You know. I still like try to like envision the utopia of like the general population doing all those jobs. Like I, I I'd like to think of an idea of like no money, like what would if if everybody did their job for free and everything was free, would we 
would we be jealous of our friend who who sold the painting for the high the higher price? You know, like would there be? I bet I guess it wouldn't be money, so it would just be giving paintings away. It'd be a hell of a thing. I don't know if I'd want to go there because, uh, oh my God, that's a lot of paintings I'd have to make. I you know. know. It, they would um, line <laughs> the line would line up fast. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, right right now in my life, I, I, I'm I'm a mid level artist, so I'm not really I'm not rich, I'm not poor, but I'm just somewhere in the middle, yeah. just like a lot of us. You know, I call it Seinfeldian. Oh yeah, it's because <laughs> it's about breaking even. <laughs> You know, you ride that middle line somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, and and also just under the surface, you know, like, and I think you and I are are pretty close in career paths exactly right now. You know, I I would like to think, you know, it's how like, long have uh, you been? How long have you been painting for now? Uh, I well, I've been I've been doing this uh, since the '90s, so you got to figure 1993 till now. Yeah, you got a you got a bit of a jump on me. You know, well, I'm a little older than you too, probably. How old are you? Little. Um, forty-seven. Yeah, I, I'm thirty-six. So, so you yeah. got that generation, and that's you know, that for me, that's was like the grouping of people that I was looking at as a eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid. You know, like looking at the people who were twenty-five, twenty-seven when I, you know, when I was coming up. So it, it's interesting to to I I love now. Like I've had so many different generational gaps on the show. You know, like. Here, like people who were doing stuff in LA in the '80s, compared to like some kids who are just now like doing their first like big solo show in Los Angeles or whatever. It's a right, right. The stories, it's so it's it's the same all the way through. And but uh, you know, I feel like the generations get sort of divided. Like there's some like Berlin walls in between them, where even oh, though yeah? like I feel like we learn the history, <laughs> but there are these like it's a. And I don't know exactly what it is, but it feels like there's some separations sometimes in between generations. And maybe that's just like a natural grouping, like people of the same age kind of form together. Well, I, I think there is some of that. I think some of it is just uh, what what part of the zeitgeist they may have caught, you know. Uh, there's people that didn't really, you know, just get get their first shows until they were older. And it just worked out that way. Yeah. And there's some people that, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of art. Like you don't necessarily have to look a certain way to, to do this. I mean, you know, no one's going to confuse me with, you know, uh, but I mean, you, you, you do, you're able to get by with the work and that's enough. You know, I mean, it would be cool. I like that you bring that around, up. But, you know, I think right? that now in the Instagram selfie generation that we're in, I do believe now that looks are more, much more important than they have been in the past uh, in the art world. I think good looks helps you sell paintings sometimes. Okay, well, uh, since you bring that up, mm-hmm. um, it's 1996, right? Yeah. And the New York Times Magazine, Sunday section, has an article. And clearly, it's a publicist like thing put this together, and I, I believe it's Mary Boone Gallery in New York. Uh-huh. And there's these four or five young artists that are being profiled. And I, one thing I noticed about the, the four or five of them was that they were very attractive-looking young people. Yeah, that was that was a thing. And I, I didn't, you know, it's hard to tell when you look at their work because it's it's printed and it's not, you know, art art is funny that way. Some art art doesn't have impact unless you actually see the whole thing in person. Yeah. You know, you know how that is, uh-huh. right? Like it's like looking at a mural in a, in photograph form. You don't really get, get the sense of the scale. Right. And sometimes it gets better in the photo 
from some. Sometimes it gets better in the photo. That's right. <laughs> I've seen that too. I've seen work that looks really good online, and I see it up close, and I'm like, ooh, that's not so good. Yeah, you know? and vice versa. Vice versa. <laughs> and vice sure. versa. You know, but the, but I, I remember that article, and 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 years later, some of those artists are doing really well still, uh, which is pretty good. That's that's almost 20 years from you know, and that's it was um, it, it was Heidi Essenheim. No, Inca Essenheim. That was her name. She was one of the artists. And then there was um, there was another one who he showed. I think he still shows. No, actually, he shows at um, at uh, Gagosian Gallery now. You uh-huh. know, so that's like big money. Yeah, these for guys, sure. You know, shown at galleries like that. I mean, you know, it's 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 crazy. That whole blue chip world is like a big mystery to me. What what they're able to get away with is remarkable. Well, isn't you know, it? Isn't it interesting as your career path moves along to see how like. Like when new, it's almost like new portals open up into like new collectors or new galleries or like new people are seeing your stuff. It seems to be, there's like, it's almost like Donkey Kong, you know, like you climb the ladder and you're on that one ledge (laughs) and you're like, fuck, all these barrels are flying at me and shit. And then you find the ladder up to the next little portal hole and you're like, oh shit, okay, here's this thing. Oh Oh, wait, there's another level above that one. And then when you get to the top, there's fucking King Kong or Donkey Kong or whatever. So it's like there, there seems to be a. It's almost like you can't even perceive it until you've run. Like right now, like I, I felt if I'm, I felt like I should be doing um, more museum shows by the age that I am. Like I should be involved in at least some like museum like group show things. I feel like I should be further advanced than I am, and I feel like that's my own like attacking myself type of problem, which is a whole other thing. Oh, now I forget what my point is going to be. Just well, I think, I I think everybody feels that, uh, 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 even the younger artists. Uh, but they, they they feel like that. They feel like, how come I'm not showing at this gallery? Why why, why am I? And I'm like, dude, you're 24. Relax. Yeah, but it, that's what relax. it is. It's like those. The, it's those spaces. Like because you don't because the you because you don't know the next step, which is common in this career path. It can it can be uh, really scary, I guess. Well, that's it. That's that's the thing about art, right? That's uh, there. You're <laughs> you're 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 in a constant state of what's next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's I, next? Sometimes you know? I think like, how in the world am I going to sell another painting? Like it, that thought, even though I've sold hundreds, maybe at least hundreds of paintings, and it, even though that's happened hundreds of times, sometimes when there's a lull, I think wow, how in the world is another painting going to sell? Like, how is this actually going to happen? And it, it's, and I don't know. If I, do you ever feel like that? Do I, I don't know if everybody feels like that or not. Oh, I think on, on some level, most artists, even even the bigger names, they think, oh, man, what if what if they find out? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man, what if one day it's like, oh, man, and, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? They found out. Well, it's back to the kitchen. You know what I mean? It's it's. <laughs> You know, uh, there's some of that. I mean, everybody has a little. It's doubt. You know, you can't fully get rid of doubt. You know, this is yeah. uh, this is this is this is like a chase. It's a mental chase, right? And and, that, and that's anybody. That's that's people that are you know that are uh, in, in 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 painting. People that are in uh, you know that write that write things. You know, like uh, people that write for television. You know, or, or plays. It's always the same. It's like, oh man, can I write something as good as the last thing I did? Yeah. Or anybody yeah. who's in business for anything, whatever you're selling on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always that fear, you know. And that's, um, I guess, just risk, right? It is. It is. It is risk. 
but I, I think you're going to be okay. And if that's, I, I believe in you, Mike Maxwell. You're going to be all right. Okay, I appreciate yeah. it. I, yeah. I, I believe in myself every like, every like fifth hour or so. But the four in between, it's like, ah, oh, you're, you're not going to make it. Don't you love it when you get the surprise? You know what I'm talking about. You know yeah, when yeah. You, you, you do something and you go, you know what? I didn't think I was going to do that. And guess what? It worked. It yeah. fucking worked. That's <laughs> yeah. great. It's almost you know? like I like to kind of it's, see it's almost like a bipolarism. It's like you're just living in depression for all of a sudden. And then the manic phase hits and you're like, yes, everything is wonderful. <laughs> and it's weird. You know, there, outside, there's a rainstorm. You just broke out of jail. It's amazing. You know? there's, I, I've like, actually been really like more on the positive, like optimistic view over the last like week or two. But it's been a very spiky um, road the last couple of months. But you know what I think it is? It's We're so interconnected. And we don't like – as individual artists, we like to think that we're just working uh, individualistically outside of the regular almost economic social system that's happening. Because, like, right, we, right. You know, we put ourselves up on the pedestal or whatever. But the truth is is that even like if we look back to 2008, there was a clear uh, problem with sales that occurred directly in correlation with everybody else having – uh, specific financial problems so it's like we're a part of this interconnected system whether we like to believe it or not and it's no man and it doesn't matter what you, it's like a big circle we're somewhere in in the system no matter if we're like selling pizzas or hot dogs or tennis shoes well there are there are bubbles and uh for, for like a minute in los angeles there was a huge bubble i want to say it started in 2003 2004 and uh galleries were just opening up and they were selling anything, good, bad stuff was just blowing out the fucking doors. Things yeah. were just selling. But then something happened, right? The banks, that was, that was part of that. That was definitely a factor. But something happened where people were going, you know what? Maybe that, that guy's stuff isn't that good. Well, maybe I shouldn't buy that stuff. And all of a sudden, a lot of the artists sort of dropped off. I mean, and you know this. I mean, you, you, you look around, you see, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. People just sort of dropped off, you know? It was sort of like, and I keep using stand-up comedy. I don't know why I keep doing this, but... <laughs> When I when I was a kid, uh, um, there were there were only so many stand up comics, right? And then all of a sudden, there was like an explosion, and there was like so many of them. It was it seemed like I would put the Tonight Show on and be like, "Man, who the hell is this guy? Who's this Bill Maher?" You know? Yeah. And uh, you know, but but there were but there were a lot of comics. I mean, there were a ton. And then it was like, well, maybe not everybody can be funny, so some people <laughs> just have to not work. It's just the way that's the way it is, you know. Yeah. The artists like that, you know, uh, it, there was a popular thing. Uh, it, it was in Los Angeles. And it was it was playing on the collector's um, nostalgia for things. So a lot of the paintings were about nostalgia for stuff that they saw when they grew up. Uh -huh. But what didn't work was that a lot of the artists that were doing the work, they weren't old enough to really actually have that as nostalgia. So it wasn't it wasn't real. It wasn't authentic. You know, so it did come from inside. And and after a while, people can pick up on. It. And then yeah. and then even though they're not, it doesn't readily you know it doesn't read right away. But eventually, it, people catch up. And they go, ah, okay, you know, maybe he doesn't really know. I mean, it's it, not really part of that. It's almost you know? like uh, the 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 art mechanism sort of calls the herd as well a little bit too. Like maybe even you know, like I keep blaming social media for all sorts of stuff. Like I think the fact that everybody can post whatever they make and get it out to a large, broad audience really fast. Um, yeah. Maybe gives some people the perception that they're a fantastic artist when. Maybe that that isn't the case, and the general population hasn't sort of come around the full swing to like the 
the swing of realization that they're kind of being fooled a little bit by yeah the, the media yeah. to on some on some level or their own eyes um and well the, the big the big clue is if you could sell your work in other locations like you know i've seen artists that can only sell their work in los angeles and then they'll have a show outside of la and, and then nothing sells and you're wondering what the fuck just happened and you're like yeah. well because your your market is over here you know that's just the way it is and you have to accept that so you have to figure out okay what else can i do you know that sort of thing right i mean it's it's like um it's it's like uh, somebody had a show in new york i'm not going to say who but she had she had had a sold out show at a gallery in la and on the strength of that show this gallery in new york was like oh i got to give this person a show they sold everything well they have this show at, at the gallery they don't sell anything and and i don't I mean, you know about new york uh in, in that part of town the rent is like you know Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, this guy's overhead is remarkable. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, in, in, in Culver City, not so much. I mean, it, it, yeah, there is some rent, but it's not quite like New York. New York is, what, like $90 a, a square foot? Yeah. You know, and you have a 2,000-square-foot space. It's like, oh, shit, you know, every month. But the, plus, you got to pay for the, the people that work there. you got to pay for the electric. you got to pay for uh, the heat because, you know, it gets cold in New York. There's no yeah. way around that. It's not like, you know, there's no escape. Eventually, it's going to get cold. So you're, it's all factors in. You go to L.A., the temperature's the same all the time, more or less, you <laughs> yeah. know. So rents are a little little lighter in that in that respect. Um, That's funny. But but artists probably never take that into consideration. Like, even just the thought of uh, the weather in a particular environment having an effect on sales, you know, like – it's a, oh, it it's, does. It's a very it does. economist it way to view it. Everything it affects how you build your fucking house. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, I, you know, I'm in LA. I'm driving around, and I don't know why I even notice it. I'm not a contractor, but I look at the roofs and I go, "There's no fucking way that house would, would stand up in my neighborhood." You know, the, <laughs> one 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 snowstorm will come in, and that thing that thing would just like fold up like a cardboard fucking box. Yeah. Boom, gone. You know, so it's like that. Yeah. Right, yeah. but you, they, these are things to factor in, right? You have to factor in, as they call it, say, logistics. Right, logistics. Yeah. You know? And you you even find like the cultures being so different from West Coast to East Coast. Like maybe again that like connectivity with a particular like grouping of people, a particular culture who relates to the thing that you make could be totally mistranslated and not related to at all uh just on the other side of the country. And it kind of shows how different like really we are from state to state, from county to county. City to city, even though even though we like to think that we're like one big place. Well, it 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 was like that with music, right? You remember when you know when you were like a kid, and uh, music in L.A. like was different from music in in, in New York, like mm -hmm. really different, you know? Um, like rap music was different in New York than it was in L.A. It yeah. just that's just the way it is, you know, because it's it's a it's a lot of regional differences, yeah. right? And it, so. it's still it's like it's. It's. I like to think that culture sometimes gets ingrained in our DNA, and lives with us. Like what our ancestors have gone through in the past, somehow sticks with us and becomes like a part of our genetic code. That's. I feel like what like maybe that like that's the when people have deja vu or feel like like if somebody feels connectivity to a sound like a musical sound that they don't really understand why they're connected to it. I feel like sometimes it's connected with cultural DNA, but that's a, I'm not a scientist. This is just total. 
I, I, you know, I can see that though. I can see that. I can totally see that. You know, we're, um, that's the thing about being human, you know, is that we're, 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 we're one of the few animals, mammals on the planet that has like free time, right? We can think <laughs> about a bunch of shit. You know, yeah. it's like if you're, if you're a monkey, you know, maybe you don't have a whole lot of free time. Maybe you got to worry about food. You got to worry about a, a safe place to sleep so you don't get eaten by another animal, you know, and, yeah. you know, right? So, we have free time as humans, and that's why we, we, we create all these problems. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the double-edged sword. It's yeah. like, we make good things or we make bad things all at once. You know. Yesterday, One of the worst things is greed. I think greed is a problem. That's you know? our biggest uh, problem, probably. You know, is that people ask the question, how much money do you actually need to survive? And, and, and why, do, why, does, why, do, why does this constant money grab keep happening? And you have to fill, it's like you've got to fill this empty hole. You know, and I think it's the Donkey it's, it's Kong syndrome. Like that guy syndrome. that shot the uh, right, you know, like like guy that shot the lion, uh huh, right, yeah, like a couple weeks ago, yeah. You know, it's like if you, I think people are, are not no, they're not they're not just outraged at the lion, they're outraged at, at the complete waste of just like. So let me get this straight. So you, I, what did that cost? Like sixty grand or something like that to go do that? Yeah. Who has just like just throws their money around like that's it bothers me. Yeah. You yeah. know what I think most you know what I find the most disgusting is that if if we look at life and you know like I'm going to be a hypocrite because I eat plenty of animals. Um but mostly it's for sustenance, right? To survive. Oh, that's different though. Uh, and he, for, he didn't eat that fucking lion. I'm no, sure, you know. Right. But I think what what I find most ill is that I understand that life on this planet is is so we're so lucky to have it. It's such a like it's such a long shot crapshoot that life even exists. That the idea of taking that away from another creature for no reason, like that, it doesn't have to do with self preservation or you know self defense or something, is so I'm mean, like. Is is the epitome of evil to me? Like I, I, the idea of good and evil seems weird to me. But uh, if I'm to to like put somebody in that that classification, like the idea that somebody would remove the the amazingness that is the ability to be alive at a moment from another creature for bullshit ass reasons, is like the lowest form of life on some level. I, I can go along with that. I can go along with that. That's uh, it's it's callous, right? Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's a, it's an awful attitude to to have that that you that just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean that's the problem. It's like people can't get past that. You know, it's it's uh, it and and it's funny because there's there's like a there used to be this video that you would pass around Facebook for a little while or, or most social media. That's like this little kid and he's like slapping a lizard. That's right. There's this video of that. <laughs> And then the lizard, the lizard fucking bites him, and he, and people are all you know like, oh, the, that that's what you get, right? Yeah. Well, you know, but why slap the lizard in the first? Like, why are you doing that? You know, but you you accept it in a in a small child, right? Because they don't know any better. Yeah. Better. But this this was a grown man, you know. Like, there's no, there's nothing he could say that would would justify what he did. Not a thing. Yeah. Not a thing. You know what's you funny know? too is like, if I'm gonna argue with my own self, is that lion would ate his asshole if <laughs> given the opportunity. Like, like the lion would easily fuck up a human, no problem, and there would be little to no outrage about it, just because it's the nature of of the animal. Um, right. But it's also interesting to see that we place this specific uh, 
morality upon ourselves because of our knowledge of the existence of life and death in the way that it works. Do you know what I mean? Like we have a, a moral obligation due to this conscious uh, knowledge that life is minute and it begins and it ends. Like I believe we're the only creatures that really know that we're going to die. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't think that. I think other the other animals know that. I, I think uh, that they know uh, it like as, as it's happening, but I don't. I don't know if yeah. they recognize that there's a beginning and end in uh, the animal mind. I again, not a scientist, so I could. Be well, wrong. it's it's it goes back to the free time issue. I mean, whales <laughs> probably know that the whale whales know they're gonna die, but they're not like, oh fuck, I didn't do my taxes this year. You know, that's like that never comes up. Yeah. It's like oh. God damn it, I gotta call my fucking accountant. You know, it's like it's not like that, you know? Um it's it's uh but but you're right, humans humans do they think of everything. In fact they they humans have so much free time they figured out ways to make it even more complicated for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just talking about that last night, like coming up with like horrible scenarios in our head. Like it's almost like some I was explaining how sometimes like our minds go into a dream state. So, like, let's say for, like, what we were talking about today, like, if I feel like, oh, my career is in the shithole, like, nothing's going to happen, I'm not going to sell any more paintings, like, I might create a whole vision in my head, like, almost like a TV show that I'm just an (laughs) observer to, right? Like, I'm just watching this show happening in my head, and it's something that hasn't happened, it hasn't, it's not something from the past, you know, I'm utilizing stuff from the past, but I'm creating a whole brand new future that has not happened, but it's like, horrible dystopian type future right where everything bad happens and sometimes i have to think to myself as my brain goes through that motion that okay dummy you're stressing yourself out here for no reason creating uh an environment and an occasion that has not happened and will not happen as long as you just don't let it you know like (laughs) and i think it's a pretty natural thing but at the same time, it creates all these stresses in us. Like I, today, I was like, wow, I, I was driving my wife to work and she was maybe like five minutes late. And I was like, you know, in my own head right now, like my brain is telling myself that I'm late for work because I'm kind of stressed, like trying to get her like hauling ass, like whipping through traffic, trying to get her to work, you know. And it's just an extra added stress that the whale swimming through the water, eating shrimp, not thinking about. No, no. As far as we know, maybe they are. Maybe they're stressed. Who knows? Man, maybe they maybe they're thinking like, man, American Idol. Why the fuck did that guy win? Right? Is that the whales thinking that? And he's like, oh man. Or like, here comes Tony the Great White to give us the fucking the business again. <laughs> oh nice. man. Well, hey, no, I want to. We, we create these things. Uh, I think sometimes as a as a mechanism, so that when something really when something that isn't quite as bad. As the worst case scenario, uh, worst case scenario happens, we're able to cope with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, uh, that guy didn't uh, just leap into my house and murder my family, so that's not so bad. I can handle this uh, tax bill I just got. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I like know, that but... way of thinking. I think that makes it. <laughs> it seems a little bit more um, evolutionary that way, like as a protective mechanism. It, well, that's what we that's what we do. We build protective mechanisms. Uh, some 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 are physical, like the homes we live in, and some are psychological, like you know, like creating these scenarios that really aren't ever going to happen. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, I mean, can you imagine if 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 you lived your life like that, where it's just like you you say to your partner, "Oh shit, the fucking cyclopses are coming." You're like, "What? 
the hell are you talking about? It's a good thing you get those all out on paper or on camera. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> all right, man. I want to thank you again for, for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. Can we um, send some listeners over to uh, see your stuff? You're on the Instagrams, the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Any... Sure, man. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my, my website I need to update, which kind of sucks. You know how it is. That's what uh, everybody says. You know, of course. You know, it's funny. I get more traffic just on Facebook and, and Instagram. It's and almost Twitter. unnecessary to have a website now. The way it is now, it's yeah. just like a status thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It used to be really cool earlier on, but now things have changed. Yeah. Yet again. Or it's just like a thing that you're you're supposed to have like an email address that has your name at the end of it, or like you're supposed to be attached to like a website somehow. Somehow, I hardly ever use the thing now. I feel terrible about it, but that's, no, that's... the way it is. Since, you can't be everywhere. That's the thing. You cannot be everywhere. I feel like most websites have not been updated since uh, the modern cell phone technology has. At least artists who came up in the '90s, like who had, like their first website was in the '90s. Like it's like a, it's a fucking GeoCities website. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a... <laughs> it's such a common theme on the show. It's so funny. Uh, what, what's your Instagram? Where can people find you on? Uh... It's just Travis Louie. Perfect. And that's it. Everything is just Travis Louie, uh, except for my website, which is actually TravisLouieArtworks.com. Do you uh, do you have any shows coming up that we could plug? I have a uh, I have a solo show coming up at Mary Karnowski Gallery oh, in uh, November, and that's going to be. A, I, hope you, I hope you can make it. Take the drive. Yeah, I would like. I've, I've been. It, my work has been so crazy. I've been really trying to make a concerted effort to just jump on the train and go like see shows for. Even if I don't go to openings, like just go see shows, you know. Well, it'll be cool. We could all hang out. Johnny Rodriguez will probably be there. Yeah, I yeah. I got to go up for his show. Um, I just had Andrew Ham on the show, and he's getting ready for. Are you guys showing at the same time, or is it? Uh, month? It, I think maybe his think is coming up next month. His is a month before mine, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but the the other the, the there's a group show going on uh, at the same time. My show is I'm, I'm curating a show. And it's a tribute to Ray Harryhausen, uh-huh. which is kind of insane to do. Um, when is, where is that going to be at? It's also at Mary Clinton. It's the same oh, day. Okay, it's in right. the it's in the it's in the other room. Okay, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. I, I I pretty much brought in mostly production designers from movies to do the artwork. Right, because these are the people that were most inspired by Ray Harryhausen. Uh huh. So it's like even uh, even the makeup artist Rick Baker, he's putting something in. And again, that's the audience, right? Like that's the environment in which you do something like that, like taking into that the environment into account. Oh, most definitely. Uh, I, I've uh, I spent a lot of time growing up with all that stuff. In fact, um, when I when I first started showing in L.A., those are the first people that I met were not the artists, but were people that work in the in special effects industry, which yeah. is very strange, but that's how it worked out. Nice. All right, my friend. Um, let's do internet dap, and we'll call this a thing. Feel good, cool, about man? It? You got everything out. Yep. Boom. Cool, nice. man. Boom. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So funny. I want to I want to thank you one more time. Uh, it's been nice to uh, to chat with you for a minute and get to know you a little bit more. And um, I will do my best to get up for the LA show. I'm excited to see cool, what man. you do. Thanks. All right, Thanks brother. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, have a good day, and we'll we'll talk soon. You bet. All Thanks, right. man. Later. Bye bye. That was my chat with Mr. Travis Louie, a uh, rad guy. Uh, I really wish we would have got into the technical stuff. Um, but, you know, we just talked about life and, uh, and insecurities and um, triumphs and such. So 
Uh, make sure you go follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast. You can find me at Mike Maxwell Art on all the stuff. Go find uh, Travis on the Instagrams, Travis Louie. And, um, I mean, you're probably already following some, so I don't need to even tell you that. But uh, if you're not, go give him a follow. And um, we'll see you next week with uh, with Michael Alvarez. Again, if, uh, if you're interested in being one of the patrons of the arts, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, shoot me an email. Let me know if I should go for it and try it out. Uh, info at MikeMaxwellArt.com. Or just send me a love note or um, uh, a pen pal message or whatever. And uh, I'll try to get back to you. All right. So have a good day, guys. And thanks for listening. Adios. You're the best. Thank you.